Hey, Chelsea, what's going on? It's Josh. Hi, Josh. How's it going? Hey, not too bad. Uh, you're live on uh, Sippin' Tea with Josh. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Good. Not too bad. Um, I'm, uh, I wanted to talk to you about uh, a little bit about something you're very familiar with, um, and that's the topic of uh, sobriety. Um, awesome. I kind of wanted to talk about, like... You know, because being a woman, uh, especially, you came in at a younger, I think, in your 20s or so. Is that about right? I was 19. Okay, yeah, so around that uh, age. And, and that doesn't happen for a lot of people, and, it, and it's kind of scoffed at. Um, so I kind of wanted uh, to hear your take on, I guess, what got you there. Not necessarily what got you there, but... How did it, how did it finally sink into where like okay I'm gonna take this path and this is gonna be my new life? Absolutely. So basically, I guess I kind of have to start at where I started, which is when I was 13, I took my first drink. Okay. I had gone down the street to go hang out with a couple of friends, and they had stolen some of their mom's. Uh, rum, I believe it was. Okay. And I remember everybody had drank a little bit, but I had drank a little bit more than others. And I ended up at a friend of mine's house, sitting on his front porch on the banister, who was a few years older than me and was a little bit concerned. And he looked at me and said, you know, I'm really worried. I don't ever want you to do this again. And before I could even say anything, I ended up passing out backwards into a bush. Holy so cow. that was kind of the beginning for me. Right. So it didn't really take off until I was about 16. I had a boyfriend who was a bit older than me who really liked to drink a lot. Had a lot of older friends who were in their 20s. So we would always go over to house parties and hang out with a bunch of his friends. And uh, I wasn't really super into it at first. But everybody kept telling me that... It was kind of weird that I was so young and hanging out with all these older people and not doing what they were doing. So one day they just handed me a shot and they were like, please take a shot with me. And then I took a shot with one person, ended up taking a shot with another. And next thing you know, everyone thought it was really crazy that this 16-year-old is getting wasted at them at a party. And so everybody wanted to take shots with me. Wow. And I remember leaving the party and feeling really, really sick. And one of my friends tells me, if you throw up, you can drink more. And so I did. And then I ended up going home and crashing and just feeling like I really belonged. It was the first time I ever really felt like I was appreciated by other people and socially accepted. Mm -hmm. So that continued on for a couple years. I uh, ended up hanging out with a couple people who were really into partying and a bit of other things, um, got really into smoking and, you know, drinking whatever I could get my hands on, taking whatever I could get my hands on. And I remember one particular night when I was 19 years old, a, uh, I met somebody who was part of a 12-step program. And his drug of choice was heroin and told me about how once he started, he couldn't stop. If he could, if he could control it, he wasn't enjoying it. 
and all these really crazy stories. And I just remember thinking to myself, wow, that's so sad. I feel really bad for you because I'm having a great time and this is the best best way I could live my life. Sure, sure. And um, I remember going to a party and I brought my babysitter, which was a friend of mine at the time, and had a fifth of alcohol with me. And I remember all my friends were on their second beer and I had finished about half the fifth that I had poured into a water bottle and I look at my friend and I say, you know, if I finish this, I think I have a problem. And he looks at me and says, whatever, and caps up the bottle and sets it on the counter, goes to the other room. And the moment I heard that door click shut, I had my hand on that bottle and the rest was going down my throat. And I just remember thinking, you know, about what that guy said about, you know, when once I start, I don't know if I can stop, if I will stop, and once you know, once you know, I can try to try to control it. I don't enjoy it, right? Which is something I could really relate to. So, so you were thinking that about was, that what he said while you were drinking. It kind of messed with your uh, your mind a little bit. Absolutely, I couldn't. No matter how much I drank, or no matter what pills I took, I just couldn't get it out of my head. Wow! And I just felt really shaken. Sure, sure. So I remember getting home that night and um, being really, really drunk. I got dropped off and, and really sick and crawling to my bed and finally getting into the bed and just thinking that I can't keep living my life like this, that I just felt so hopeless, that I just wanted to die, that there was no solution for me. And um, actually, I passed out, and the next morning I wake up to the person who was telling me about his addiction. And he picks me up, and, and we talked about it. And, you know, he said, you know, it sounds to me like you can relate to what I'm saying. And I agree. I could definitely understand what he was talking about. And even though, you know, my drug of choice was not heroin, I could completely understand where he was coming from about the hopelessness and, and the sadness and the chaos that surrounded my life. Right. And... So that was a really big point for me, and that's when I decided to make a change, and that was a little over eight years ago. Wow, so, so you you it, got very it, lucky because it sounds like this guy really cared about you. And so the absolutely. fact the fact that, um, you know, you had someone there, that's, that's incredible because it's not always that rosy, if you will. <laughs> absolutely. A lot of people who find themselves wanting to stop drinking, they find that they're isolated and alone and don't really have the support or means necessary to get the help or recovery that they're seeking. Right. Um, you know, whether it's health care or rehab or, or just finding a friend or a family member who they can confide in just to get better. Uh, anybody there who just is willing to show them that support is super crucial if they're they're trying to recover from this hopeless state. Now, without saying what program exactly, I just say the meeting. Um, did he take you to the meeting or a meeting? Um, and was that really what kind of uh, was like, you know what, I can I can probably do this for a little longer. Is that is that is that about right or? So it's kind of funny. I actually was not convinced that I was. Had a suffering with this sort of disease. Okay. Um, so I actually, he had handed me a book from one of the programs, and 
he told me, you know, read this and tell me if you can relate to any of it. So I got through the first couple chapters, and I felt like, yeah, maybe that could be me, but I don't know. I'm 19. I don't really know. I haven't actually had a legal drink yet. Maybe this is just a problem. Maybe I just need to slow down. Uh, and one day he actually said, I'd like to take you to a meeting, and I told him no. And Were you kind of mad at him? Were you kind of mad at him that he said that? You know, no, I wasn't. I understand that he was coming from a place of love and, like, trying to be helpful, but I wasn't fully convinced. Right, right. So he actually told me uh, that he, I could come to this meeting with him to call him out on all his BS and oh, make sure okay. that he was staying accountable. That's and an interesting bitch. Yeah, that's a good bitch. The minute we get out of the car, he runs into the men's room and leaves me stranded, and I had no choice but to attend this meeting. Oh, wow. Um, but it was it was my first meeting, and it, I got a lot out of it. I remember sitting in the back, um, and I was looking really rough, looked really sick, really dry, I guess you could say. Um, and I remember there was a wealthy gentleman in his 70s explaining about how he lost his family, his house, his second house, both of his cars, his wife, and all these things. And oddly enough, I felt like I could relate to him. Uh, not in the sense that I ever lost anything monetarily or even really that much in terms of family and friends, but I did lose a lot of hope, a lot of self, a lot of dignity, a lot of self-worth. And I could really relate to him saying that. Right. Now, did he, was he a honorable guy, this guy? I mean, was it kind of that he looked like he had his stuff together? And that's why you, um, that's why I kind of sank in with you? Or was he your average, uh, you know, average guy who was just um, starting starting his life, basically? Because I imagine he was probably 20 or 21. Yeah, we were the same age. Um, we went to one of the local schools uh, not far apart from each other. And okay. we graduated in the same class and knew a lot of the same people. So I could relate to him with a lot of the things that he said and was talking about the hopelessness and how all of a sudden when he stopped using and started following these programs that he felt hope for the first time he had ever felt. He felt compassion for the first time he felt that he that there was a word for what he felt which was this disease and he didn't know it was a disease we just thought that we were just a couple of broken people and didn't know that there was a better way to live and and an option for us to get better yeah now now break that down for for not only me but for our viewers as well is it a disease like, would you say this is a disease as opposed to just, like, cancer or, um, you know, something of that nature? Or or is it something... 100%. Definitely? Wow. 100%. Absolutely. That's powerful. I am, I am fully convinced that alcoholism and addiction are just as much diseases as anything such as cancer or schizophrenia or any other mental health illness. Right. Um, it's not like that there's a pill that I could take that would cure me or make me better. Sure. My only solution is to change the way that I live. My only solution is to stop those old behaviors, to pick up something different, 
and to try and change my life for the better and, and influence those around me um, to, you know, live a, live a better and happy life. And I'm fully convinced that brain chemistry is 100% affected. Um, I know that for me, I suffered a lot of health problems due to my drinking and using. I developed holes in my liver um, and ended up going to see a doctor shortly after I got sober and told me that I had the liver of a 40-year-old drinking man at the age of 19. Wow. Which is kind of scary. That is so scary. It wasn't... It wasn't just affecting my body, but also my mind, and alters your brain chemistry entirely. So but you, but you couldn't happy, tell that. You couldn't tell that immediately, right? I mean, you're you're saying this from a, a standpoint of looking back. You realize that it affected your mind, or you knew it was affecting your mind while you were going through it. I knew that it was affecting my mind, but I think that because I was so numb do everything or rather was trying to be numb mm -hmm. by using that I just didn't care I just thought that it was going to be fine and this is just how you live your life and, and there is no other option that this is this is option A, B, and C that there is no option D, E, or F sure, this, sure. this was the only choice Right. <laughs> there was no <laughs> other choice yeah that's that's awesome that's uh I don't know like uh it's so weird because you never know when you're going to come to or, like, when the person is going to get it. Um, and I don't know how you do it, but uh, it sounds like you inspire a lot of people and you help change a lot of people's lives in paying it forward with the same gift that you were given. So I think that's that's incredible, and I highly respect that. Um, you know, going going forward... Uh, what do you say to the person who is still lost, if you will? Um, how do they find themselves? Does it, is it gonna, like, um, do they have to seek it? Or is it gonna happen by osmosis? Or is it, is it, what do they do? Because I know a lot of people, they want help. And a lot of people are scared to get help. Like, I mean... They see it as a sign of weakness. I mean, which I did too. I didn't want help. I thought I could do everything on my own. I thought I was Superman or whatever, you know. And um, it takes a village, you know. It really does take an army to um, to really restructure your whole brain mindset. Do you? Do you Absolutely. agree? Absolutely, I agree one hundred percent. I know that my experience is I needed friends, family doctors, uh, support from meetings, you know, all sorts of people in my life were necessary, and I, I needed accountability more than anything. Um, I don't think that this happens by osmosis. I think you have to have a true and honest desire to want this for yourself, right. because nobody likes change. Not I don't like change. I, to this day, I do not like change. I love being comfortable. It's wonderful. Um, Change is never comfortable for anybody. However, everything I want is on that other side of that fear. Everything I want is is something that I'm going to have to change in order to achieve. So I had to be willing to give up anything and everything. And if it meant I had to give up my friends, if it meant I had to give up my job, my school, my boyfriend, my life, I was willing to do it. 
um, because this was the last house on the block. For right. me, I was so depressed and so in so much pain. I had tried to kill myself multiple times. And wow. this was it. Like, if this did not work for me, I was going to die. I was fully convinced. Yeah, that's... Fully convinced. Yeah, that's super deep. And I, I'm glad you, you uh, spoke on relationships because I think that that's another issue. I think that when... Even if you have the support, um, if you have the family, if you have the friends, uh, sometimes people continue getting wasted or whatever because they want that love that they can't have. You know, like uh, there might be somebody that they had a great relationship with and that person broke it off or whatever. And they're trying to, um, I guess, mend that and they feel that getting wasted is the only way to do that. Um, what do you say to that person who is kind of uh, going through the slump of they're really just getting messed up because they're actually still in love? And so, you know what I'm saying? Have, have you ever seen that happen to somebody where you see that they're just totally in self-destruction mode because they're still in love with whoever? You know, or or it could be the loss of a loved one. Do you agree with Absolutely. that? Absolutely. That's really common, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I was actually just recently in a short-term relationship with somebody who ended up relapsing and going back to drinking because they couldn't get over the fact that their ex didn't want to be with them anymore. Right. And to be honest, the only thing you can do is love and respect them to the best of your ability. The only thing that I can do is respect that they have to want it, that they have to want this for themselves, that I cannot say or do anything that can change somebody's mind, um, that if this is the path that they choose for themselves, that it's their choice, uh, because I know that there is nothing anybody could say or do for me that would have made me feel any different, um, especially when it comes to heartbreak and, and love. That's that's a really hard one. And, Definitely. And I like to numb myself with alcohol and drugs absolutely, um, constantly, <laughs> when I was <laughs> drinking. Um, that was, like, my number one thing was, I want to be loved, this person doesn't love me, or I'm seeking love from this person and it's never going to happen, or I love somebody who isn't around anymore and can't give me the love that I need. And all of those were mechanisms that I used, or rather, excuses I used in order to continue to get drunk and high. And in the end, I did nobody any favors. Like, it never brought anybody back to me. It really just drove a a really big wedge between me, between anybody that I really came into contact to, whether it was any sort of relationship, friends, family, coworkers, et cetera. Um, and especially people in relationships because those are, we tend to hurt those who are closest to us. So it's a constant battle between I'm not good enough and I have to drink and use to feel okay and I'm too good for this situation so therefore you can never give me what I want. Um, And it's a a never-ending cycle until until you, you know, are are sick and tired. It's going to work for us. Yeah, sick and tired of being sick and tired, yeah. That's right. Yeah, that's that's awesome, and I commend you. How many years of sobriety do you have, by chance? Um, I celebrated eight years back on June fifth. 
Oh, wow. That is fantastic. I actually just uh, was talking to somebody uh, who had about the same amount. Congratulations. That's a, that's a huge accomplishment. Um, you know, and they, you know, a lot of people don't think it is, but it is. You know, a lot of people, they can't even get a year sobriety. So to do that is, is fantastic. Um, I'll say this one last thing and then I'll close because I know you got to get going. Um, what, um, what do you, what, what piece of advice do you have to, to reach out to that? Like, like you being sober, how do you reach out to people now that you're sober and say you want to help someone? I know that they have to want it themselves, but is there any tidbits or kind of tips that you might use or, or say or do to help this person who you definitely think is in need of it? I would definitely encourage them to investigate. So if they're not mm. sure if they're an alcoholic or an addict, do some trials. Maybe try drinking only one or two and stopping and see how you do or, or, or just see how, if you can just not take that pill or see if you could just not do those drugs because these things are out here killing us. Right. These things are lethal, and and if you're not fully convinced, there's there. I'm pretty sure there's nothing that I can say. Um, but just take an honest look at yourself. If you are not happy, if you're worried that you have a problem, there are so many resources, and all you have to do is look up what to do when dealing with alcoholism or addiction. And there are resources. There is you know local places. There are doctors. There are medical professionals, there are mental health professionals, um, and if you're not sure, bounce the idea off somebody, you know, say, what do you think about this? Do you think that maybe I have a drinking problem? Talk to your family. Um, make sure that you talk to people who can understand and can, and can offer you support and compassion and love, which was so crucial to me um, because I just wasn't sure, and if I didn't have somebody around to kind of help me sort of guide my way, I don't think that I would be where I am today. In fact, I'm about positive that I would not be where I am today. I don't think that I would make it. Right. Um, so I definitely encourage anybody who is, you know, concerned with uh, either drinking or drugging, definitely seek out active resources. And if you're not sure, just try some tests. Yeah, that's that's great. That's fantastic. Thank you so much, Chelsea. Uh, thank you for sharing your story, and um, it's a pleasure having you on Sip and Tea with Josh. Thank you so much. Thank you. Take care. You too. Bye.